Guys, mental health is something that Dan and I are extremely passionate about, which is why it excites us to say that we are partnering with BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode and our podcast. BetterHelp is the world's leading therapy service and it's 100% online. With BetterHelp, you can tap into a network of over 30,000 licensed and experienced therapists who can help you with a wide range of issues. To get started, you just answer a few questions about your needs and preferences in therapy. That way, BetterHelp can match you with the right therapist from their network. Then, you can talk to your therapist however you feel comfortable, whether it's via text, chat, phone, or video call. You can message your therapist at any time and schedule live sessions when it's convenient for you. If your therapist isn't the right fit for any reason, you can switch to a new therapist at no additional charge. With BetterHelp, you get the same professional and quality you expect from in-office therapy, but with a therapist who is custom-picked for you, more scheduling flexibility, and at a more affordable price. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash BacksideGroundBalls. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash BacksideGroundBalls. by Riverside. Welcome back to episode 116 of the Backside Ground Balls podcast. Super excited to be back here on the pod. My name is Trevor Powers, and I am joined by my co-host, Dan Galati. Dan, we had wild card baseball this weekend, and kind of the resounding take that I really kind of agreed with is these three-game series are very fun, but you know since they made them three-game series, only one series, and it was the Padres and the Mets last year, has gone to three games. Does Is that an indictment on Just, maybe what might be wrong? Like, are the are we wasting our time playing two of these games and, and not just making it one? Uh, first off, I just want to say it's the added effect, like just an added egg on the face of uh, that Mets team last year uh, that you're the only team that. You know what I mean? Um, anyway, wasn't where but, I was going with it, but oh, so for anyone of you listeners, take it, yeah. I'll take it. I will take that one. You do it sometimes. Today it'll be me. Um, no, I don't. And the only reason I don't, Trev, is just because of if if it was every time we got in here, the division winner that has to play in this was sweeping, and every time we got in here, the higher seed was sweeping. I'd say yes, and and one of my favorite things that we look at here after this wild card weekend, just for if if you like organization like I do sometimes, we have one of every seed going. Obviously, we have the ones and twos because they got the buy, but we also have a three, four, five, and six playing in this, which is like it's just perfect. And I mean, you saw it last year: the six seed Phillies go to the World Series. This year, uh, Arizona's a six seed; they're going to the DS. So, I think to your point, it would be an indictment if that wasn't happening. But like, because I think it's more so. Trevor, and you can tell me if I'm wrong on this one. If they're going to have this many teams in, do they go NBA style where the divisions don't actually matter? It's just more of who you play more more you in the regular season, yes. and then if yeah. we're just going to we're going to seed you one through six based on record because that's two years in a row where the NL Central looks like they don't belong in the postseason. 
Yeah, and and we talked about that in the midseason when they sw- shifted the schedule. Remember, we were talking about the rule changes and and how the not playing your own division eighteen times makes a difference. And yeah, when we were talking about it, highlighting the AL East of like it's just not fair, right? Like, and not not to say that that it's a sob story or anything like that, but that Milwaukee team, the team that showed up this week, again, we we were talking about this off air, and and obviously you know, wanted to get into it on the pod, but that's not the three seed. Like, at the end of the day, like the way the Phillies looked against the Marlins versus the way the Brewers looked against the Diamondbacks, you're telling me that in any world, like if it, our, one of our favorite podcasts, Josh Pate, the late kick with Josh Pate, he talks about the alien, right? The alien comes down to earth and we explain to him, you know, he comes down and he's like, hello guys, what do you, what is this playoff baseball you talk about? And you're like, well, they play a full regular season and we six teams make the playoff and he goes, okay, so you seed them by record. No, but <laughs> no. oh, so they don't all play the same schedule. Like they, it's a little different. Like, so the NL central team plays a different schedule than the, the NL East team. No, they, they play everybody once at home and once on the road. So why do they automatically get the three seed? It wouldn't make sense to anybody on the outside looking in, right? It would not make any sense to for for the division winner to to get that if they're not playing. Like it just needs to go to NL and th- AL and, and go from there. I think so. I, although this year completely blows up my our point on this. I think last year was more of a, a picture of that, especially with the unbalanced schedules. But this year, I guess when you look at it, Minnesota who moved on wouldn't have gotten in. Milwaukee still would have been the three seed. I didn't realize the Phillies took their foot off the pedal there when they locked it up and only ended up with 90 wins. Yeah. And then the Cubs were just throwing up on themselves in Milwaukee to end the year. So Milwaukee <laughs> ended up with 92. So Milwaukee still would have been in. Um, the only team that wouldn't have been in was Minnesota, and they moved on. So maybe well, maybe it's not, not, it's not it, even it about feels in like to it, me. It it's needs about a tweak. where you seed. Right? Or where you like, seed. To me, yeah. like that's, that's where I, my complaint – I don't mind if division winners automatically get in. I just don't think that it, just because you're a division winner, you get the you get a certain seed. Like Minnesota's case, in my in my opinion, you don't automatically deserve the three seed. Apparently, Milwaukee deserves the, the three seed in the NL. That's fine, but getting in in that yeah. realm of like automatically getting a three seed just doesn't add up to me. I think the thing that would be different there is like. Rob Thompson manages that thing different. They locked up the one hundred percent. They couldn't go any better than where they were. You know, they had guys in and out of the lineup the rest of the year. Wheeler threw three innings. In a, you know what I mean? Like, they, they were setting it up to go. Maybe you still have some of that, but maybe you also push the gas pedal a little bit to get, you know, to play a different opponent. Here's my question for you, because I've seen this a lot now, specifically because of the situation in the National League. How do you feel about reseeding? <laughs> I'm I'm at on it in all honesty. Like it's I, I give or take it doesn't that's not something that doesn't add up to me, right? Like setting the playoff series, especially with the logistics of having to right. send not just teams, right? Equipment, fan like fans media. buying tickets, yeah. media, everything that T V equipment, all of that. It it doesn't that doesn't okay. bother me as much as, you know, just being able to, to – just because you get it. Like Minnesota – again, Minnesota looked great. I think all credits to the Twins, and we'll talk about them a little bit of, of of how good they looked. But, I mean, that AL Central, like, congrats. Like, you guys have – maybe it's the point of what you're saying. Maybe they wouldn't have coasted to the finish line, and maybe they would have pushed 90-plus 90, 90 wins because of that. But 
you know, because they had I, that thing locked up in late July. And I think what, what you're going to find with this format is every year you're going to be able to cherry pick something. Or like this year, the reseeding is going to be a big talking point, I think, in the National League because it depends on the outcomes of this of this next round a little bit. But I think what I saw some people and some Braves fans, most mostly Braves fans, I think there were some media members right, so. who were yeah, like, both Phillies and Braves fans. Should, games, and yeah. you could argue that the Phillies are the second best team in the National League, and that's who we play in yeah. the DS. Meanwhile, the Dodgers, who we were better than during the regular season, gets Arizona, who got in by the skin of their teeth with 84 wins. Now, yeah. anything can happen in the playoffs, so it doesn't matter. If, if, if Atlanta goes out and sweeps Philadelphia, which they're capable of doing, um, and really that series can go – you could pretty much any outcome in that series would be believable. Yeah. If they go out and sweep them, then it's a, it's a moot point anyway, and no one really cares. Yeah, definitely. So let's get into a little bit of a recap for maybe if you're tuning into this podcast and, and you didn't – you know, you don't get on social media and follow baseball people, so um, – Texas ended up sweeping Tampa. Um, Minnesota ended up sweeping Toronto. Arizona swept Milwaukee. And Philadelphia swept Miami. You know, as I said when we entered this, the not-so-wild wild card um, that we experienced. Uh, but you do make a good point. It wasn't chalk in a not-so – you know, you had a 6B to 3. You had a 5B to 4 and all the things like that. So let's go – let's just go top to bottom here. What are your kind of your quick thoughts about – Texas's really complete and utter domination of Tampa Bay. I know we texted back and forth some thoughts, and and I know I have an opinion here, but what are your initial thoughts on that? Yeah, because I know where you're going to go with this. I'm going to go to the other side, and I'm just really happy for Texas because look, this this is a team who, for the last couple of years, you could you know they open up the new stadium, they start to make the investments and in guys to get back to this position, and and you when you looked at it, they, they come out of the gate super hot and then they, they kind of melted down in the second half, but they, you know, and that really like that last weekend of, we were talking about, they were popping champagne when they still had a division to win the next day. And they go out and George Kirby, who the Mariners have been eliminated, pitches a great game and, and hands the division to the Astros. And so I was kind of concerned with like, is there going to be some baggage? Cause you get, there was one day between the end of the season and when these wild cards started and you're like, are they going to be mentally there and focused? And they came out, and it was obviously a combination of the Rays embarrassing, and I'm not even going to address the atmosphere because that's a different topic for another day, but they blitzed the Rays. They did a great job. They blitzed the Rays. They sent out two guys. I mean, hats off to Jordan Montgomery, a guy who's been, I think, underrated and mistreated the last couple of years, by the way. He's just kind of been cast aside by teams. Again, I don't remember exactly. I know that the Cardinals started Quintana and Michaelis last year in that wild card round when Montgomery like had had that unbelievable second half with them. The Yankees even trading him. Then the Cardinals don't want him. This you know the Cardinals trade him this year at the deadline. They were out of it, so it makes sense. But he's kind of felt like this guy that's kind of been like a you know, and the way the Yankees treat him is like he's a he's a, a depth piece. He goes out there in game one and spins an absolute gem. Um, seven innings, a shutout ball. And then the next day, Nathan Avaldi, who, again, another guy that we've talked about on this podcast, another guy that I think don't get enough credit for how good he's been, at, at just like solid and what he, his track record is in the playoffs. He goes and pr- pr- proves again that when the lights are bright, he's going to show up and he's, he's really formidable to face in the playoffs. And he has an outstanding outing and they might get Scherzer back. Like Evan Carter, like everybody learned the name because – he looks terrific, and that offense we know led by we a guy you and I love, Corey Seager, and Josh Young's back, and I, 
really excited for the Rangers moving on and going to, to Baltimore, where, again, I think that's going to be a great series. Oh, it's going to be a phenomenal series. And you bring up a lot of good points about Texas. And the one thing that probably led me to pick Tampa Bay in that in that series was the – had you emotionally – like this is a team that's right. grinded through 162. And you – and reports came out that Brian McTaggart, who covers the Houston Astros, Astros. had the – yeah, act like you the, – the Astros act like you've been there before, paid off. And then Evan Grant, I believe, who covers the Rangers, said that's just simply not true. They popped champagne and then went and had dinner. So maybe it wasn't what we had been privy to of like – you know, the video cameras caught them popping champagne. And, and we all know what, what it looks like when you pop champagne and, and go through a night like that. Um, You're not playing good baseball the next day and then you lay an egg the next day. You sleepwalk through the last game. It's understandable for the public to kind of jump on their backs. But apparently from the inside of that organization, that's not what happened, right? This team was all business. They went in the last day expecting to win the division, obviously didn't, and then handled their business handedly, went to Tampa, absolutely played better baseball. They they got the better outings out of two, what you would deem pitching disadvantages. And I thought that that was going to emotionally impact them going to Tampa, but they went and the offense showed up. Offense is deep. The offense is good. And obviously you highlighted Montgomery and um, Eovaldi, and, and those are guys that were nails, right? And on the other end of it, we, we talk about Tampa Bay, and I first want to give them flowers because I see a lot of people like on social media saying like the Tampa Bay frauds or, or whatever it is. And I can understand the frustration with Tampa Bay's quote-unquote underperformance and we talked about this in the preview podcast. We've talked about this several times over the last couple of weeks. You give any organization, Braves, Dodgers, Phillies, any organization, the injury luck that the Tampa Bay Rays and circumstantial luck that the Tampa Bay Rays had to deal with this year, they're not making the playoffs. They're not winning 95 plus games. They're not putting themselves in a position to go compete in October. 95% of organizations outside of Tampa Bay and maybe give or take one more could handle the decapitation of three top line starters starting the year with arguably one of the best on the shelf in Tyler Glassstone. Obviously he came back. Jeffrey Springs was looking like a board, like he would have pushed Garrett Cole for Cy Young the way he looked. And people seem to just forget that he didn't give up a run in spring training and then came out and was just dominant and through, through two three starts. starts. Yeah. yeah. And it was just un unreal punching out almost two per inning. So give them credit for what that is. Right. And this is where, and I, I guess maybe I'm going to fluff myself a little bit. This is where I, I want to fluff the process a little bit. But this was exactly the reason why I felt like they needed to make a push for Juan Soto. Wander Franco or not, this is not a lineup that unless Randy Orozarena goes superhero on you, this is not a lineup that scares you. I know I sit here all offseason and, and talk negatively on, on trying to build from free agency, but you know no matter how bad Carlos Correa was this whole year, you know who puts a gulp in an opposing fan's just throat every time he steps to the bait up to the plate with runners on base Carlos Correa because of the track record because of the name because of what he's accomplished as a baseball player it doesn't matter that he's hit 220 with 16 home runs this year and missed time with plantar fasciitis nobody cares about that everybody is going to react the same way the Tampa Bay Rays even their best players don't have that guy even Wander Franco when he's right again he, he was still young when he was playing 
he's not that guy. Yanni Diaz is a phenomenal hitter that me and you both love. He's not that guy. And this is a polar opposite team in Texas Rangers, Corey Seager, Marcus Simeon, guys that probably the Tampa Bay Rays were like, ha ha ha, we're not going to go put our money, put our feet in that um, competition and try to get those guys. They would never. It's an aging middle infielder who, you know, kind of is a power over hit guy. Like all these things that probably translate to guys not performing late into their 30s. The Texas Rangers got aggressive. They went and got these guys. And that's who's walking off your field as the champion in the wild card series. And it like you need, like they could use a Juan Soto and not that they're going to go get him for one year because that would make even less sense. But getting a superstar that can impact the game in so many different ways, getting the guy that can say, hey, get on my back. I'm going to carry you. And again, we expect Randy Arozarena to be that. And, and he's just not like, I, I just don't think he's that, that caliber. Right, and he did it in that one postseason and stepped up to a level that I, – I mean, it's hard to just carry that level when you're not – he hasn't proven year over year in the regular season to be that caliber of player. He's a great player. He's an all-star level player. He's not that superstar that you're talking about, that impact immediate bat that Juan Soto is or Corey Seager or go through the teams that are left, Ronald Acuna, Mookie Betts. I mean, like those guys outside of Arizona who won their series, but they are playing against another team who – Christian Yelich hasn't been that in five years, four years – so, you know, they, they beat a team who didn't have that either. And I think Wander Franco was ascending to that. We'll never know now. But I think he was ascending to that, right? He, he, he might have been there at some point. I think he was on the way to being that type of guy. But he wasn't at that point. I will say this, though, for, for the people who are dunking on them, and I saw a lot of people as well it's like calling them frauds. It's like, it's hard to win that time of year. Keep that same energy for the Dodgers then. Like, yeah. say the same thing about the Dodgers, who have won one World Series in the COVID short year against that Rays team where one game, get, we were at a game seven, it could have went either way. The Rays could have been the ones with the World Series, and we could be sitting here still not remembering the last time the Dodgers had won a World Series after winning 100 games over and over and over and over again. You know, the Atlanta Braves, who won one in 21, but the previous run, they had won, you know, from the 90s to the middle of the, the 2000s had won what 16 consecutive NLEs titles or whatever it was and had won one world like it's hard to win that time of year it's really especially really, in baseball really hard yeah like it it it's really hard like and I know we saw the Giants rattle off three and the Red Sox rattle off four from 2004 to 2018 and so you get kind of accustomed to teams being able to do it but it's not that easy man so I don't no. like the fraud talk with the race but I think you're spot on even like if if they were had been healthy, I still think as far as winning a World Series, they probably get through the wild card round, maybe. But I think they winning a World Series, they might have still come up a little bit short. They need that guy, and I don't think we're ever gonna like. I don't, I don't know if they're ever gonna do it. Yeah, I don't know if they're ever gonna do. They're never gonna dip in free agency. I think no. they might readjust and get more aggressive when trades. But deadline guys like Juan Soto are available once every you know fifteen to twenty years. Guys that are that they would deem worth the you know sacrificing some assets to be. Wander Franco was supposed to be that guy for them, and he doesn't seem like he's going to be. So, and that's nobody's fault inside the Rays organization. It's his own, right? Yeah. Like that, it's it's, fault that's Wander his Franco's. own fault. So yeah. it, it's not. 
I'm not criticizing by any stretch. I'm not going to no. sit here and call them a fraud, but this is where you can see, and there's no one size fits all, right? We talk about this all the time, but there's never a problem of having more superstar players, right? There, there's never going to be an issue. Like even Listen look at pod, Philadelphia, right? we can, yeah, we can be, well, in the playoffs, I'm saying, We're, that's what yeah. I said. There's no one size fits all in the playoffs that works. But again, look at the Padres last year. That's a team that freaking played with their food through the second half and then, in the playoffs, it's like, oh, Dodgers, yep, beat you. Mets beat you. You guys are supposed to be really good. And Phillies, we're going to push you to the brink, right? Like that is what happens and allows you to do it. The, the Braves, we talk about it when they won the World Series. Freddie Freeman, those guys, you talk about it with the Nationals. And that, that's why these teams are never counted out. And the Tampa Bay Rays, not that we count them out. We say they're, ah, they're a really good story, but we never hold our breath and expect them to be hold, the one holding up the trophy at the end of the, at the end of the season. It just doesn't routinely happen because they don't have those guys, those guys that are the next tier up. And very rarely do you patchwork your way and platoon your way to a world series. At least it's just my opinion, but we'll have all off season to talk about the Tampa Bay Rays and, and maybe what could have went different. But in the other series, that uh, I'd love to hear your opinion on. I think this one was pretty stock, and, and I'd love to hear your take on it. Minnesota swept Toronto, and it came down to two things, pitching depth, the ability to actually roll a guy after you're number one. You know, you're able to roll Sonny Gray after you get a phenomenal start from Pablo Lopez and then just be able to, you know, throw another guy in Kenta Maeda out of the pen and, and just roll with it, right, and, and be able to put yourself in a position to be successful. And then – the managerial decisions, and I guess you, we could say managerial decisions, the lack of – something's off in Toronto, right? And I hate to be that that sports talk radio guy, but offensively they aren't performing to their talent. The only guy who does is Bo Bichette. A-Rod's on the, on the broadcast talking about how Vlad is, is jumpy like a frog and, and he's – without acknowledging the fact that he's been – hitting everything to oppo the whole year and a rod's telling him to get jammed and it's like i love I mean, that by the way <laughs> yeah it's just like i mean you there's so a great. reason why t- 30 teams call a rod every offseason to be their hitting coach and he has to turn them down there's a reason why because he's so insightful and smart <laughs> and the, i think the epitome of toronto season is vlad jr getting picked off three two first and second early in the game like again fundamental baseball and just discipline, right? What do they tell you when you first start taking leads in 12U, when you were at Piedmont, babe, Cal Ripken, and I was at Bear Babe Ruth? Don't make sure he goes to the plate. Hey, Vlad yeah. Jr., you've been playing baseball for how many long, How many years? You've been in a clubhouse for how many years? Nobody's ever told you to don't make sure he goes home, and I know you were doing that, but you're scoring on a single no matter what. Because you're getting a four-second head start because it's three, two, two outs. Like that is the oldest trick in the book to try to backpick somebody on a three-two count. And and somebody said, Oh, we knew we were gonna pick somebody on the twin side was not defending Vlad, but Sonny explaining Gray. like Yeah, oh, it was so loud. Correa told him that it was last so loud I that they che- couldn't hear the third base coach. Last time I checked, you're an adult and you shouldn't need like like every little league coach that yells a, back. Thank you. You don't that's need embarrassing that. <laughs> that Vlad doesn't have his eyes, and I get shortstop creeping behind. But again, it's the same thing when you're on first with a lefty. You hug the bag and take a huge secondary once he and get momentum once he commits. 
you should not be 20 feet off the bag where a shortstop can creep behind and you can't hear your third base coach going shortstop behind short. You're an adult. Understand the situation. This you're an infielder leagues. too. You're an infielder in the big leagues. Like you wouldn't understand like, Hey, you know, this would be a really good time to back pick me. And again, that's the epitome of the Toronto blue Jays. And it's why I don't think Schneider's going to be in that dugout next year. It's, it's no. not just because of bad managerial decisions in the postseason. This has been there's something off. Matt Chapman confronting him about pit not or pitching to Otani a couple months back, which we laughed yeah. at because oh Otani's so good and these uh, the Alec Manoa situation, whatever the heck's going on with him. And I again I think Alec Manoa has his issues in his own right, but something's off culturally, and I think the Vlad Jr. pick play is the epitome of that. Yeah, and, and like the last point I'll make on the pick play is just the the fact that to your point, you're not trying to steal third base in that situation. So you can wait till he goes. You're just, it's about getting a head start to score on a base hit. So it's like, you can, it doesn't have to be a good jump, I guess is what I'm trying to if say. If it happened at first, maybe, because that's, that's justified. Yeah. First base creeps in. You're trying right, to get a hit. Right, right. You're the lead guy. You are scoring. And I know you're slow fighting, but you are scoring on a knock. No matter like you're getting an extra two seconds. Once he commits to the play, like, you just have to watch the pit. Like that is, that's terrible. Like that is like we, Bill Ripkins should go on MLB Central and rip him to sure shreds. And I'm sure he did. I'm if, sure but, he like, did. I'm, I'm on, I'm on board, Bill. Like, I'm not going to lie to you. Like that is fundamentals that just, I, whether they're not taught or not, we don't see it happen a lot. So that's not what he's going to talk about. All the fundamentals aren't taught, but that's just lack of discipline with Toronto and that's lack of discipline with Vlad. Like this is a knock on Vlad. Vlad had a bad year and it, and like, that's going to be the last thing image of Vlad. And like, that's just, it, it's, it's not good. It's not good. And we give flowers to Minnesota. The pitching's really good. Now they're going to roll Joe Ryan out into, to start game one against Houston. That's a really good matchup. I like that. And, and obviously being able to get those other two guys back ready. Kent Maeda is going to be fresh too. Like they're in a good position, man. And that, that lineup can swing it too. Yeah. And, and, and the blue Jays thing, I think you're right. And I think there was just some over aggressiveness from John Schneider and, John Schneider, right? Yeah, Brian Schneider yeah, was that's the why, old backup that's why catcher. I, I went with no first name. I, went, I almost went Brian uh, because of the old backup catcher, former Expo National, I believe, and Philly. Anyway, um, yeah, I think that like it was just over aggressiveness, not because I'm a big, you know, leaders, like whatever. That's the plan. I mean, I wouldn't have taken Barrios out. It was too early. Like, okay, if it's the fifth or sixth, maybe. But we were talking about the fourth inning, and he was kind of on cruise. But you're also doing this with a bullpen that isn't that good. Like, yeah, you're going to – And it's not game Yusei three. Kikuchi, right, and you're going to Yusei Kikuchi, who's never pitched out of the pen. Like you said, it's not game three yet. Why do we need him here? Yimi Garcia, Eric Swanson, and Jordan Romano, who had had a terrible September. Like, I, it's not like you're rolling – And like, and then where I'm going to go over to the Twins is, is to your point, like – really good starting pitching, which we've been talking about. We talked about before the season started, how much we like Pablo Lopez and Sonny Gray and, and, and Joe Ryan. And and then like Griffin Jacks is disgusting. I don't think anybody knows who he is. And hopefully they go on a deeper run here and get more national TV time because Griffin Jacks is filthy and he did a great job. They have Griffin Jacks. Louis Varlin has stuff. Uh, Theo Barr has stuff. Brock Stewart was shooting fire bolts out of his, out of his hand yesterday. Like, 
So, like, they have guys to be a little more – like, okay, Sonny, five innings, 15 outs. We can get there comfortably. Whereas on the other side with the – like, you say Kikuchi, who pitched to, like, a seven in September, and Yimi Garcia? Why being – like, you're the team who can't be over-aggressive here. Like, and it's, it's, it's less about the philosophy of it and more about, like, use the pieces that you have. Like, this – you're trying to squid or, or fit a uh, square peg in a round hole here when you don't have a deep bullpen. You need as much out of Barrios as you can get. He's capable of giving it to you. He looks great. It's the fourth inning. What are we doing? And and I think that was because they knew that the offense, again, to your point, that offense, we talk about it. I feel like for two straight years, you and I have talked about him in like, in the preseason, at least, it's like, wow, look at that lineup. That lineup is scary. Yeah. That lineup's going to be one of the best yeah. in baseball. That lineup's fantastic. Look how good that lineup is. And then we get to this time of year every year, and we're like, wow, those guys didn't really have that good of a year. And they go, and I mean, and last year, Lane yeah, not, I, I think Schneider's gone. I Like, last year, you look at what happened in the wild card round. They blew that 7-1 lead or whatever to the Mariners. They get swept in Toronto. And then they go to – they're just lifeless. And, and like you said, it just – it feels like there's something missing, and that's the best way to put it. I don't know what it is either. I think it's a little bit of these guys just not performing to their capabilities and then lack of pitching depth that's hurt them, bullpen depth specifically. But, you know, to talk about the Twins a little bit, the offense is going to worry me the rest of the way, especially, like, against a Houston team who those pitchers should be able to handle that lineup a little bit and a lineup who, you know, the playoff Astros should scare everyone. So, But I think, I think they have a shot here. I, I don't – I guess we'll get to predictions in a little bit, so I have some time to make one to think about who I'm going to take. But I, I, I've loved this Twins roster since like January when I texted you about it and realized what yeah. they were building um, after the Arias trade. And and uh, the, I'm they're happy the they Brewers of the series. AL. They're the Brewers of the AL with a better without lineup. a doubt, with yeah. more pop, with more juice. Yeah, with more juice. And that's the only difference really between the two lineups in my mind. Yeah, like it's not like the Twins have a bunch of great hitters; they just have more guys who can who can challenge the fence. Yeah, and they've hit well over the second half. Um, yeah. The the maybe I mean, maybe they're finding the right mix, and and they're playing good baseball right now. But as we transition, we'll, like you said, we'll get into predictions. But um, as we transition and and utilize the Brewers segue, I, I think this 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 series was break broken down to the fact that Sal Frelick hit fifth. Right, and I I thought it was fine. He didn't hit fifth much throughout the year, and when you look at Faft and you look at Gallon and you look at what their pitch profile is, Sal Frelick is probably a guy who's flatter and can handle these guys. Right, so you kind of see the creativity of Craig Council, and you're like, oh, I kind of like that. But then you realize Sal Frelick is hitting fifth in a playoff game. If that's your best resolution is to get cute and get a guy to match bat angle with pitch plane and to hope that he's going to catch lightning in the bottle for two games, you're probably not going to go very far. And I know we were high on the Brewers and, you know, the culmination of this and, and to me was we talked about this off air a little bit. They were flawed, but I think they could have skated by even the Diamondbacks with their flaws. I think what it came down to is once Brandon Woodruff had the wind taken out of his sails of just like having his season taken out from him, 
that was everything to that team, right? They just, it's hard to respond to that type of adversity. We talked about Arizona playing with house money and they had nothing to lose. And then the Arizona superstar and Corbin Carroll showed up and, and did what Corbin Carroll needed to do. And, and Zach Allen settled in in game two and, and the bullpen pitched really well and all the things like that. And Tori Lovello is, is the anti John Schneider and the fact that he seems to get more out of guys, not less out of guys offensively and you get guys to perform. So I don't think really, I don't think there's any in-depth analysis other than the fact that I, I do think there is something mentally to be said about losing a Brandon Woodruff and trying to still get up for that because the optimism of winning a World Series when you have those three horses is possible. And I know Burns and Peralta didn't perform to their best. I'm not going to sit here and justify that. But I think collectively, everybody started putting more pressure on themselves. And then it allowed to the free and easy loose Diamondbacks with low expectations to be able to to go and win and, and hit the home runs when it mattered most, which I know we can talk about the stats that are going around with the home run. Um, but I don't I don't really think there's any in-depth analysis of, of this series. The Diamondbacks, I think, just played looser, played more fun, and, and came out on top. Yeah, I think that uh... – <sighs> I think this is the the hardest series in the playoffs. And I said this to you before we started recording. I think this, especially for the favorites, this is the hardest series. It's not the best teams you're going to play always. You know, most of the time, obviously, there's four teams who had the best record, you know, who had the best records in either league who aren't playing in this round. But for the favorites in some of those teams, it's the hardest one because in a three-game series, you lose one, you're immediately on the brink of elimination, and you get tight. And whereas even in a short five-game series, you drop one, they still have to beat us two more times. Not a problem. You go out, you win, you, you know what I mean? Season Series is even. Even a lot of times switchbacks in your favor. I, this series is hard to win because of the fact that it's so short. If you lose one game, your season's on the brink, and then you come out tight and everything. And that, Matt, like, again, at the end of the day, we talk about this, we analyze it, and I get the professionals, but they're human still. And you can be t- especially when you're the favorite. I mean, you win 92 games with Diamondbacks, like you said. And I think sometimes in the wild card round, it's better to be the underdog because you're playing with house money. It's like it's a three-game yeah. series. Especially one the of these young things. underdog. Yeah, the young yeah. team like Arizona. I will say this, the breakdown I will give you. Milwaukee had 21 hits in two games. Three extra base hits. Arizona had 15 hits in two games. Six extra base hits. I, and so, yeah, it's like they only had three more extra base hits. You guys are just trying to prove your point. Yeah, but Milwaukee had six more hits overall. They had 21 hits in two games. 21. You're averaging 10 and a half hits a game. And you get swept. There's a lot of things that go into it because n- nothing's all black and white. And you can never in baseball. And, and 90% of our arguments in the sport are everybody just wants to cherry pick like Devin Williams throwing up on himself. The starting pitcher is not pitching to their capability. Some of the other Abner Uribe yesterday, who had looked like one of the, the best weapons going into this playoffs out of the bullpen. That wasn't a closer was not good like that added to this, but you had 18 singles and three extra base hits in two games that I, like, again, I don't care if the Diamondbacks aren't great on the map. I mean, yesterday they faced a, 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 Cy Young, a perennial Cy Young candidate in Gallon. Like, you can't wear him down with singles. It's too hard. You saw they tried him, to. It, well, we see what happens. This is what we've seen it with Max Scherzer. We've seen it with all these aces. Justin Verlander. 
they come out without their best stuff. And instead of hitting home runs and hitting extra bases and base hits and knocking them out, what do you do? You fight off 11 foul balls through your first five Rice hitters. Terrain. Yeah. And you are literally just setting yourself up for failure at that point when you cannot strike because you know Gallon's going to figure something out or they're going to figure out a way to attack you or he's going to settle in or or something's going to happen. They don't these ace levels pitchers, Garrett Cole is the epitome of it, right? Last year before this Cy Young year, we would talk about it all the time. He hangs a six spot in the first and then goes six innings and gives up six earned total. These guys know how to settle in these top of the line starters and you missed your opportunity to take a guy yep. without best up. To me, Corbin Burns, the home run to Corbin Carroll was a great pitch. Hitters on the year were hitting 132 on his changeup. It was down in the zone. Sure, he probably should have stuck with the curveball at that and point. It was in time, middle, whatever, middle, but that, whatever. But it was still down. Like it was yeah. down in the zone. It was good, effective pitch that hitters hit 132 against. Sign up. Cattell Marte, he goes cut or dot on the end, and Cattell was selling out on he his cheated. number one strike pitch. He cheated to it, kept it fair, hit it a mile. And that's how and- you win. And that's how you like that was three runs. Game over. Game over with what you, the, the padlock stats you just gave me of three extra base hits for two games. You didn't even tell me. I have to tell me how many how many singles they had. Three extra base hits through two games, and you told me that they go back to back home runs off of Corbin Burns. I would have told you it was a sweep. No questions if I, asked. If I right tell there, you a team had, if I tell you in the playoffs a team had their cleanup hitter go three for four, three for four, you probably think they won that game or put up more than two runs because you probably go, well, he probably had at least one extra. Mark Hanna, three for four out of the cleanup spot. It's three singles. And then, like, to your point, guess who's hitting behind him? South Freelake. Like, cool. You give up a single to Mark Hanna, you're standing out there on the mound, and everything in the playoffs is a little tighter, but you give up that single, you're like, oh, well, here comes yeah. South Freelake. I mean, and Willie Adamas and Josh Donaldson can obviously threaten the wall who are hitting six and seven. But like it's like that Mark Canna single in the four hole when Carlos Santana, Contreras, and Yelich are getting up. I mean, Christian Yelich, three for five out of the leadoff spot. Two singles they and the only well. extra base hit. Twenty one hits they through two games hits. is 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 what you look like. And you would correlate to roughly, I would say, roughly off the top of the cuff, I'm not looking at you can usually hang your hat on a half of a run per hit. Usually. Usually, right? Roughly, like seven hits in a game, No, assuming no home runs, right? I'm just saying like roughly. You look at a box score, team scores four runs, and usually they have like eight hits, right? Like very rarely, obviously it fluctuates at time. You could hang your hat on five runs per game. They, they didn't score that because they didn't take advantage of that. Again, bloop, walk, blast, homer, and it's just that's what changes the game. So the Brewers, the Brewers scored five runs on 21 hits. The yeah. Rangers in two games had 21 hits. They scored 11 runs. It doubled it. That's well. Let's get into the last season. We don't have to. Re- I mean, the only thing we're going to be talking about with Milwaukee this off season is whether that's the end of the Brewers. We know, and I think so. I think Craig Council. Craig Council, New York. I think he's probably do, in New York today. Now you know where he should be. Toronto. That would be great. Do you think Toronto? That would be better for. I, I love that. that would be, but let's not do that now. <laughs> we yeah, could do that this offseason. We got to save some Toronto, content. I saw. Um, Gabe, I don't think Gabe Kapler is going to manage for a little bit. But the the last series that we'll talk about is 
the one that you set yourself up for just the ultimate, you know, friggin' sit. You were it's called hedging this- your heart. Yeah, exactly. And you're just making bets on on things that you know if they lose, you're not going to be disappointed about. You said that the Marlins. I, I I don't really have any analysis for this series. It was a beatdown. It was a beatdown. The crowd was absolutely electric. They handled the the really good pitching that the Marlins threw at them. They hit extra base hits, as you like to point out. I think you got the statistics in front of us, um, and you're going to be able to highlight that. Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola were the Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola that we've come accustomed to knowing. And it was just that team looked good, man. That team looked really good. The only thing I'll point out is that their third base coach decided to make game one about moment was too big. Moment was too (laughs) big. The moment sped up for the third base coach, and I I swear to you. He was 0 for 3. (laughs) You know the funniest thing is I I didn't remember this. I actually just remembered this right now. We were watching a lot of baseball. Obviously, the Phillies were front and center. I had a dream that I was at (laughs) hanging out with Brian Torresani, and you know the first thing I said to him? What? Did the Phillies call you to come coach third in the playoffs because the moment was too big for him? Because that guy would have been calm as anything making those calls. He would not. That would never happen on his book. So that was <laughs> that's a credit to him. So I'm, I'm not going to tell anybody that I said that. I'm going to expect him to find out if he really listens to the pod to expect a text at this point for his comp for my compliment to him. But yeah, in my dream, I asked Tor if he had got a call from the Phillies to come coach third for him. So that's a credit to him. But that was the only analysis that – I mean, this, the team was just better. Marlins weren't good. The Phillies were. Wheeler and Nola were great. Um, and just really no no other way to go about it. Yeah, here are, the, here are the, the the stats that you're looking for in this one, and this is the best way. To, it was it was a beatdown, and, and the Phillies were the better team, and everyone kind of knew it. I think that for me, again, yes, Except it's probably you. a little bit of hedging your heart. The Marlins win the season series 7-6. However, in that season series, the Phillies were plus, I think, 11 in the run differential. The Marlins on the whole were minus 56. If you reversed, this is the one that I didn't think I had by the time the playoffs are, and I'm going to have to do the math again real quick if you can hold. But I, if you reversed all of the results of the Marlins' um, one-run games this year, so turned every win into a loss, every loss into a win, the Marlins this year would have been – 64 and whatever that is. Yeah. 64 and 98. And like, so that that's how the Marlins were going to have to win in the playoffs, right? We knew they weren't going to challenge the wall. They were like, they would have been 64 and 98. If you reverse, they were 33 and 13 in one run games this year. 33 and 13. Is not the right, re- like nothing about them screen the recipe. They're an up and coming team. I realize that they, they need offense really bad. I think they had some pitchers like if Yuri Perez is healthy and continues to mature and Sandy Alcantara returns to form a little bit to go along with Jesus Lazardo. And I think Braxton Garrett does some nice things like their pitching is good enough, really left handed, but they have some good pitching. They need more offense. Everyone knows. It, and that's what it was. Here you go. This is the two things. Uh, 11 extra base hits by the Phillies, 11 runs in the series. Nine doubles, two homers, 11 runs. And they're going to hit more homers hits. than doubles, the oh, Phillies, sure, are the rest of the way. Sure. So that's, away. Yeah. that's even. They, they should score even more. The Marlins, three extra base hits, all doubles, two by Josh Bell, two runs. I, like, again, we are going to continue to beat this, I'm sure, for the entirety of the playoffs. But, like, the recipe is there to make it happen. The Marlins don't have it. And the last thing I'll give you on this, you're coming into a series and you're saying – 
We have to win run a warm one game. We have to keep it low scoring. We have to pitch. The Marlins got seven innings out of their starting pitchers. The Phillies got 13 and two thirds. Like that. And that, would you say beat that? Like there it is like that, that, that you can't, if you're the Marlins, you can't overcome that. Yeah. You're not wrong. And I, I don't think, I don't, I, I, yeah, that di- that didn't look like much of a playoff team and, and not in a negative way. I just think that flatly and I think Skip Schumacher is going to be a really good manager. Really good. And St. that's, that's a good organization. To let him get out of there. They did a phenomenal job at the deadline, adding Josh Bell based off of Jake Yankee, fans clo- Yankee fans close your year- ears. They added Josh Bell based off his batted ball profile. <laughs> Does that mean expected WOBA was used by an organization? Uh oh, close your ears. Okay, Yankee fans, we're back. Um, but that uh, that'll be that there for. But you know, for any Marlins fans out there who might need some. Some mental help. If health. you exist, uh, we'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsors over at BetterHelp for all the teams that might have lost their first playoff series. Head over to BetterHelp. Maintaining your mental health is super important, but finding the right mental health service for you can be difficult. BetterHelp provides an easier way to get professional help. BetterHelp connects you with a therapist custom picked for you and has flexible scheduling, all at a more affordable price and from the comfort of your own home. BetterHelp would like to give our listeners 10% off their first month. All you have to do is head over to BetterHelp.com slash Backside Ground Balls. That's BetterHelp.com slash Miami Marlins to get 10% off your first month. So, Dan, we're heading into the division series. Um, and as it stands right now, the we're, they're, all four series are going to start on Saturday, which is going to be just demoralizing for you unless you've you've got four screens up now because you're going to have to pick between college football and playoff baseball, which is going to be tough to do. Uh, but at 1.03 p.m., Texas is going to be visiting Baltimore and Camden Yards, and we know Camden Yards is going to be rocking. Minnesota is going to head down to Houston at four, for a 4.45 start. Philadelphia heads to Atlanta for a 6.07 start. And out west, we have Arizona heading to L.A. for a 9-20 start. The NL teams are then going to get a break and go Monday. AL teams will run it back for Sunday, and then we'll be getting two games a day until Wednesday. But as it stands right now, those are going to be some pretty good series. Major League Baseball did themselves a favor by spreading those games out a little bit more. We're going to have baseball every waking second of every day, as well as college football. So really fun day for sports fans. And and what are your initial thoughts on Really big picture, NL and ALDS. Is there anything that stands out you're excited to watch in those, especially game one and game two and three into this weekend before we get back on here on the pod and and discuss the the first three games? I just think you can look around and find excitement and storylines in every single one of these series, and you don't feel like anyone really has no hope. Like You don't really look at this and go, oh, they're completely overmatched because – as much as you want to, we we wanted to say Arizona didn't like we didn't count give them much of a chance in that wild card series and hand up we were wrong I was wrong I thought Milwaukee's starting pitching was the reason why the Dodgers starting pitching is not good and I think there's going to be a ton of runs in that Dodgers Diamondback series 
I think the the Baltimore Texas series is going to be extremely entertaining because Camden Yards is going to be rocking, like you said. Star power. There's on on the Texas side a ton of it. You might get Scherzer back against this plucky Orioles team. No one saw winning a hundred games and winning the AL East. Uh, Houston and Minnesota. I I think that. This is the year that Houston can get got. We don't know. It'll be exciting to see what they look like in the postseason because they didn't have a great regular season against this Minnesota team who wins a playoff series for the first time in 20 years. Playoff game. And then playoff game, yeah, let alone series. And then you have Atlanta and Philly, which I, it's going to be – again, that series can go any which way, and I wouldn't be surprised. Like that series is going – like if you just look at it on paper, that series looks like it's going to be a knockdown drag out. And and it's gonna like that might be the most must watch of them all. I'm biased in it, but that's just how I feel. Yeah, I think the epitome of this is that Shia LaBeouf's calling my name. I might be digging myself a hole here, but the team that I have the least faith in is the one seed in the AL. Right? Yeah, like, me too. Me too. That's pretty like. <laughs> That shows that we're in a pretty good state, right? Yes. And I don't, I don't trust the Diamondbacks, but I, you know, I, I think they're plucky enough. But I, I think the Orioles are better than the Diamondbacks. So let's yes, just put they it are. That. But I think the team that I'm like eh, about, like, is the one seed in the AL, and that's pretty cool, right? And again, I'm probably getting myself got. I'm gonna end up getting memed here one of these days as I continue to dig this hole on the Orioles. Because trust me, my tone's going to turn in, in 2024, especially me if they too. get aggressive here. Me too. And as we continue to go through this rebuild. But, I mean, as it stands right now, I just think that if there's one team that that I'm just like, I'm not going to put my life on the line and say that I see it happening. I I, I just don't. But other, every and other team is good up. and deep and, and competitive. And I think Baltimore matches up with the Rays way better than they do with Texas. Yeah. Way better. And just even the familiarity alone, I think how they match up with – Texas versus how they match up with Tampa. Like if you're an Orioles fan, you should have been rooting for the Rays. And I know it's been a while, so you, you forget how to do this. Like I know you're just rooting against your a lot of them probably against a team you probably don't like. Um, but that Texas team, if I'm an Orioles fan, I'm like, oh shoot. <laughs> mm-hmm. I would have much rather played that Rays team that, like you said, like the starting pitching of the Rays, because of all those guys out brings them back down to the level offense is nowhere near as good as the Orioles offense. Here comes Texas where it's like, Oh no, that offense bang. Yeah, and, and if you Max Scherzer shows up with Avaldi and Montgomery, mm-hmm. they have and John advantage. Gray. Like offense might be a wash, but yeah. pitching side, Texas has the advantage I, and Felix Bautista isn't around. Like this is, is I'm, offense I'm, a wash. I'm, You'd have to really dig in, and you could you could argue it. I guess is my point. I don't think there's an argument for, especially if Scherzer's pitching in the series. I don't think there's an argument who has the advantage on the on the mound. And oh it's no, Texas. I'm saying offense. Saying. No, I offense. know, but this is oh, the yeah, reason yeah, I said yeah, that yeah, is because yeah. you could at okay. least argue offensively. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Either mm-hmm. side, okay. I don't think you I just can. Think with with Jung back. I just oh, think Dolores like, Garcia and Seeger and Simeon. It goes and, on. It, and they're Joe relentless. Mack Evan and, Carter. Yeah, Evan Carter's now like, like Gunnar Henderson and Adley Rutschman are great stories, right? Like they're great players, everything like that. Evan Carter is not the focal point of the Rangers offense. No. And Evan Carter is a lot more comparable to that young piece experiencing playoffs for the first time as Adley Rutschman and Gunnar Henderson are. And it's like, okay. Yeah, I, it, so 
Let's get into our predictions then. Um, so we'll start with that series. Where, where's your head at and, and what's kind of the X factor for, for you of who, who kind of takes this series? This is a really tough one. I think, can I take the, the cop out answer for the X factor? I think the cop out or that the, the cop out X factor answer is Max Scherzer. Yeah. One Max that was my X healthy. factor too. Yeah. If Max yeah. Scherzer is healthy and ready to go, like I just said, they have a decided pitching advantage over the Orioles. And it, and and it's massive that the, the Orioles get this series at home. They are going to have the energy of that crowd behind them. Now, if things aren't going well, sometimes that home crowd, if it can get, it can get nervous, and that nervous energy on those young guys of like, oh, we're favored, we're at home, our crowd's now kind of like you can feel it; it's palpable. And Texas is going to have – like Scherzer's pitched in the playoffs for a million years now. Corey Seager's been there, done that. Marcus Simeon's had postseason experience, albeit not a lot, but he's had it. Who on the – Kyle Gibson didn't pitch for the Phillies last year. I'm trying to think. No one else really has much experience on that team. Jack Jack Flaherty Flaherty a little bit. Is he even going to start a game for them? Probably (laughs) not. Yeah, I mean I think that – it, it'll be very easy to go down 1-0 and be down in the early in game two. And not only Orioles fans, but Orioles players to be like, this is uh-oh. just the beginning. No, not even uh-oh. Like, you know that like relief oh, you think of that, like, that, you have like, nothing to lose. Like, sure. like, you know, like, ah, like we'll be back here, right? 2012 Nat style. We'll be back. Like, this yeah. is just the beginning. And I think it is just the beginning. I will sit there and, and bang For on the sure. table that I think the Baltimore Orioles of 2025 are going to be an absolute unit. unit. But I think that when you have guys like Seeger, Simeon, Scherzer, there's nothing I'd enjoy more than Scherzer coming out, twirling a gem and catching a Frank the Tank video of him screaming and biting his little chew toy to Max Scherzer actually pitching well in a good game. Like uh, nothing I would enjoy more than that. You I'll just got – you have guys in desperation mode in in Texas. Yeah, Baltimore this is in desperation last potentially. Potentially, yeah. I mean, they, I mean, they could get healthy next year and Degrom healthy. Like, sure, they can run but, it back next year. But it, it, it's just, yeah. He knows his days are numbered, and I think that you bring up a good point. This is just to be. I'd like the Orioles to have that mindset today. Yeah, and and to start the series of of almost flip it and be like guys no pressure this we is, have nothing to lose we have nothing i'm sure so what, i'm sure hyder got him so, yeah so, yeah and he's great at that you know what i mean like go out there guys get your feet wet this experience is going to be invaluable for those guys those young guys i i think i think that matters way more than than it's talked about a little bit of all the you know i love looking at numbers and having concrete evidence because it's so hard to judge some of these you know non-tangibles but like Young guys getting their feet wet early on in their major league careers in the postseason, I think, helps them tremendously develop as players because then the regular season it almost puts everything into perspective for them. And then when they the guy, get there, it's old hat. You know, the and then guy the next you've been year, banging the table for had a big homer last night. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And yeah. and like, and when you get to the postseason the next year, like in 2024, when this Orioles team rolls up, probably hopefully better because, like you said, they're aggressive this offseason. Those guys are gonna be like. This is not mm-hmm. – I just think it's going to yeah. be tough this year. The, my, the, the hope for them is one that offense comes out and they're not white-knuckling the bat. Yeah. Like, don't white-knuckle it. Guys, you got yeah, nothing if to you go. If you, if you get swept, yeah. no one should no one should even care if they get swept right here because next year no. they should be right back and, like, this is just all experience for them. 
Yeah, one hundred percent. So I'm taking I'm taking one on the same page here. Where's your Where's your Rangers. head at? Who are you picking? Rangers. Yeah, I think the Rangers. I think the Rangers as well. I think the lineup. I, I think. Again, desperation mode and momentum. Desperation mode, momentum. You get Max Scherzer back. I mean, they were supposed to be the two seed. Like, this is right. worst case scenario right. for Baltimore. Like, it, not only Correct. are you highlighting the fact that Tampa would have been a better matchup, Texas was supposed to get a bye. And now Texas is coming in pl- in wounded animal mode, in with a little momentum, bit angry, a little bit angry, and should have been the two seed, right? I'll, I'll address um, it now, though. The atmosphere is going to be quite different from the draft again. <laughs> oh, it's going to be, and, and it will be. People have made a big um, deal about Citizens Bank Park. I think they forget what Camden Yard sounded like seven, eight years ago. It's going to be, it's going to be a loud. zoo, just like Citizens Bank Park. Yeah, yeah. it's going to be a zoo. So we'll head out west here to the late games that we're going to be all watching. Uh, we have Los Angeles playing host to Arizona on Saturday. And then obviously uh, the rest of the series will play out as it folds. Los Angeles lost to a division foe who got in in the wild card round and had an exciting win last year. And the San Diego Padres came came in and, and kind of handled the Dodgers. This Dodgers team's a little bit different, right? Clayton Kershaw is going to have some extra rest. That's going to be a big deal. But what are they – do the young pitchers show up? I mean, that's my X factor. Who shows up outside of Kershaw? It's not like Kershaw's this shining light of postseason performance either, right? It's not like this is Madison Bumgarner track record, what Zach Wheeler's turning into, Steven Strasburg 2019, that you can hang your hat on like this guy's going to dominate. No, Clayton Kershaw's feeling that same pressure of like, hey, if I want to win a quote-unquote real ring, it's got to be sooner rather than later because that back is not holding up for the rest of his life at this point in time. And Arizona's kind of dealing with the same thing here. They're the the young bucks, kind of like what we talked about with Baltimore. They really honestly have nothing to lose. The future is brighter than the present and and being able to hang your hat on that. But I think the X factor comes down to can Bobby Miller dominate? Can we get that outing out of Bobby Miller? Do we get really good Clayton Kershaw? And outside of those guys, who else shows up? I think the lineup's going to be fine. Freddie Free, Mook. Max Muncy, JD, like they're going to bang and they're going to hit, but it's going to come down to the pitching. And for the first time, probably since both of us can remember off the top of my head, the question mark with the Dodgers is that top end of the rotation pitching. Who are the, who, who are their three starters right now? Who, the, who like, if you had to guess, are they going to go, they're going to go Kershaw. And then is it Lance Lynn? Pepio? Sheehan, Miller, Miller. Those are, those are your realistic options. Kershaw, are they going to get cute Miller. and go? They're not going to get cute and go. Ryan Yarborough. I think Yarborough would probably be if they need a fourth starter. I would say they probably trust Yarborough in length after an opener more than they trust Pepio and Sheehan as it stands right now. Would be my here's guess. what. Here's what. I think one of the sneaky biggest storylines of this series is is the way that Major League Baseball scheduled it. You have an off day after game one and after game two, which means Merrill Kelly, who didn't have to pitch in this series, will have full rest to pitch game one and game four, and Zach Gallen will have full rest to pitch games two and five. So if you're Arizona, you have to piece together one game without those two. Your best two starters, one game, game three. You have to figure out one game without your best two guys. They are two men, and and I don't love, I don't. Hi Brady, he agrees with me clearly. 
I don't love Merrill Kelly. He had a fantastic year this year. He worries me against the Dodgers lineup that can kind of take advantage of those guys. Like you need you need top of the league stuff, I think, to beat the Dodgers offense. And you're talking about guys like Mookie Betts and Will Smith and Freddie Freeman. And it, some of the guys that they've had on offense have career years like Jason Hayward. I, I just think this works, this plays into Arizona's favor somehow. The fact that those guys, you you in a five-game series, your best two guys pitch four of those five games on normal rest. That is a huge advantage in my mind. Yeah, but I can give you the other end of that, and that means the Dodgers only have to patch together game three. But who's their two? Bobby Miller. I think Bobby like you gotta get you gotta give it to you. But again, this is the sure, same way we is... talk about any I know he's young and things like that, and this is not what you draw it up as when you're the Los Angeles Dodgers. But you have a guy with top of the line level stuff. It's Walker Bueller when he was young. Hey, give him the ball and take the reins off and just let him ride. And if he fails, he fails. You have nothing to lose. But I think that they trust him as the two. It's that three. And and I, I like and my question is, 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 but my thing too is, is I think it's more often than not a young player in the postseason. He might have good stuff, and he might not get. I'm not saying he's going to get lit up like a Christmas tree, but a lot of times you see guys, those guys, empty the tank. Yeah. Within nine to twelve outs, and now you're you're talking about in game two. Okay, so now I got a patchwork eighteen outs the rest of the way, tw- eighteen to twenty one outs the rest of the way, and then I got game three that I'm trying to patch together already against a like this. Make no mistake about it. Arizona's offense is real. It's real. So I, yeah. I'm just. It's an interesting how this schedule sets up. I think it. it there's a a significant advantage towards Arizona with the way the schedule sets so up. So who's your winner? The Dodgers. <laughs> yeah. So we're gonna agree on this one as well. Um, yeah, I think you the think lineup's we're gonna disagree. Too good. I don't think we are. Maybe. Um, but I, I think that this lineup is too good um, in comparison to Arizona. When you play with house money, you run out of house money at some time too, and, and you run into you know a situation that you can't get through. And I, and I think that the, the Dodgers lineup is going to be too good, um, plain and simple. So as we head further east here down to Texas, we're going to go down where Houston is going to play host to the Minnesota Twins starting on Saturday, tomorrow, when this podcast comes out. What are your initial thoughts on on where this series lands? I think it's it's intriguing. There's no doubt about that. What are your, what are your kind of initial thoughts? The Twins need a – like X-Factor for me is the Twins need an offensive player to carry them. I don't think you're going to be able to escape this series. Look, they didn't score many runs in that wild card round. Luckily, the pitching was outstanding for them, and they don't quite have the same schedule as the NL, so you might have to get guys on short rest. Now, Joe Ryan, you and I both love. They have some more arms. Kent Maeda, we talked about. Their bullpen's very good, but – if this is the Houston Astros that we're used to walking through the door, and I know they had a down regular season, like it is tough to keep them under four runs in the playoffs. You know, even uh, you go back and think about, I think about last year in the ALDS and just what we talk about again to continue to beat our chest here with the recipe to win. Seattle's winning that game 7 3 in the eighth. There's a two run, two run bomb in the eighth. Robbie Ray gets two outs. Two guys single, Jordan Alvarez call, comes up and calls game. And it's like, 
how did that how did that happen? We were a pitch away from getting out of this thing, and next thing you know, you just you just lost eight to seven to the to the Astros. Now, if we see some of the same Astros that showed up this year, if you know you just see a bunch of guys struggling offensively who aren't really playing to their caliber, you and I think Chas McCormick should play more than he should have. Dusty Baker's not you know giving him at bats. Minnesota could surprise you here. I just need, in order for it to happen, in my mind, Minnesota needs an offensive. Like, they need Royce Lewis to do what he did in game one as well, but they need probably a little bit more. Royce Lewis goes big fly twice in game one. They, three RBIs, they score three runs. And there was no tacking on there. They need, you know, they really need someone else, whether it's Max Kepler, whether it's Correa, who ended up having a, a good day on, on um, Wednesday to help them sweep Toronto. They, they certainly need, um, they need someone someone to step up and kind of have like an MVP type series. And maybe it is Craig because Craig seems to love the, the, the limelight. He loves the hate that, you know, the drama of Correa back in Houston is going to be fun. Um, so, I mean, we'll see. They have the talent in Minnesota offensively to get those guys. Correct. And you it, as a collective unit – they have enough guys that are talented enough to put the team on their back. But as a collective unit, Max Kepler, Royce Lewis, Carlos Correa, Matt Walliner, Alex Kier- like Kirloff. There are pieces I like Kirloff. across this lineup that can make a difference. The one that I think can make the difference is Byron Buxton. Wow. The report comes out that will Byron Buxton play if Twins advance? That's what we're hoping. You give me this pitching staff with Byron Buxton being the Byron Buxton we know, not the injured Byron Buxton, the Byron Buxton we know, which is this is not this is not a Mike Trout type level player that every time he's on the field he's the best player in the world and and there's no debate, right? So I get there's flaws with with Byron Buxton, but. He can be that level of a superstar, and I'm calling my shot. I think Minnesota knocks off the the Astros here. I genuinely think their pitching at this point in time is better. I think it's better suited for a five-game series. I would take the three horses that they have at the top with the struggles that the guys in Houston have had. Hunter Brown hasn't stepped up. Christian Javier has taken a step back. Fromber Valdez had two almost no hitters and then just meh outside of it. And Justin Verlander has, he had the big game outing against Seattle where he threw eight, eight shutout innings and it was great. He wasn't exactly a, a knight in shining armor in, since he's moved to Houston. Bullpen advantage. You talked about it with Minnesota. They got some guys that are they wicked. Do. They do. Wicked, they really wicked do. stuff. They really so do. So it's closer than I think. I don't think Minnesota is exactly the 86-87 the win team that their record says they are. I think they're better. And I yeah. think it's going to show. And I think if Byron Buxton shows up and is that guy, that guy that he can be, the, the guy that Minnesota expects him to be, I think they ride this momentum of finally winning a playoff game into, into taking down the big, bad Houston Astros. What do you say? I'll just be different here, and I'll, I'll I'll go chalk and say the Astros win. Um, I, I, I just, it's just that Astros. No, win it's the there's no, like the Astros you don't have to door. justify I saying can, the yeah, Astros like, are going to win in the playoff series. That is one hundred percent understandable. But I completely agree with you. Buxton is that like I said MVP level performance. Yeah, it's he in. Can there. be that guy. <laughs> it it's is in there. in there, but it's in there. And the last series, um, I mean. 
you can sit here and hedge your heart again and, and put yourself in a good position, but we have Atlanta and Philadelphia. Is this I'll hedging take, my heart though? I'll take the I'll <laughs> take the um the X factor first here. Um is just simply the pitching depth from the Braves. And but really pitching depth. Who gets the better pitching depth? Who's number three shows up best? Does Ranger Suarez go out and pitch like he did in the playoffs last year? Can he be that guy? And who shows up? Does Max Fried show up with the blistered? Is it not a problem? Can Charlie Morton get right and healthy? Is he going to miss the DS? I don't exactly know what the reports are on that yet. Pitching depth. Both these lineups are good. But what happens when you face good lineups is both can expose flaws on the pitching staff. I think the Phillies have the better bullpen too in this scenario i think they have better collective stuff i think they have more guys who throw a hundred i think they have more guys that can dominate an inning and i would take that that bullpen is going to put themselves in a position we haven't seen this braves team sweat all year what happens when they get punched in the face and who's the one team in the national league that's going to punch them in the face it's the philadelphia phillies but whose pitching depth shows up between bullpen and three starters and even that that fringe four starter that we talk about being important but one and two is set in stone. We know Strider, what he can be. We know Freed, what he can be when he's healthy. We know Wheeler when he's healthy and right. He's one of the best playoff pitchers in the league. We know what Nola can be. Um, big game Aaron Nola's back. Get the t-shirt ready. Big game last night. Can I cut um, you off real quick? Yeah. Aaron Nola has pitched in four clinchers for the Phillies the last two years. Regular season 2022, wild card round in 2022. Regular season clincher in 2023. And the wild card clincher in 2023. He is a .33 ERA. Yeah, Carry print off. the shirts. Big game, Aranola. Um, but I think that's the X factor. I think the line. Everybody's going to talk about the names: Harper, Olson, Acuna. Like these guys are great. Um, but it's going to come down to the nitty gritty edges of the roster. And, and I, I think that there's something to be said about both have some pros and, and both have some cons there. I think you could do a. I think I could do a full episode on this, and I think it would be quite entertaining because it'd be like a. a um, if anyone seesaw. Well, if anyone's not familiar with uh, Always Sunny in Philadelphia, the the, the episode when Charlie and, and Mac work in the mailroom and he's Pepe Sylvia, he's got like the, the strings and the the wall of all the thumbtacks yeah. and everything. I, I, it would be me. Like I could point to everything. I'm going to go off the wall here a little bit with my X Factor. My X Factor is going to be the first inning. The Atlanta Braves in the regular season were the best team in baseball history in the first inning. They collectively as a team have an OPS north of 900 as a team in the first inning. If you are the Phillies, you like and, and to kind of couple up with that first inning being an X factor, it is going to be for both sides here. You know, the Phillies have to survive the first inning against Atlanta, especially in the first two games where they're in Atlanta. You know, if you if Strider comes out and goes one, two, like there's nothing more deflating than if Strider comes out and goes one, two, three, who historically has been very, very good against the Phillies. And I know Phillies fans want to bring up game three of last year, and I, I hate to break it to them, but the pitch he threw to Reese Hoskins was 94. The guy wasn't healthy. He hadn't pitched in a month. Spencer Strider doesn't throw 94. Like, it was a great moment. It was awesome. That inning was cool. As a fan, it was amazing. But, like, that if he goes 1-2-3 in the first inning and then you blink and it's 3 nothing in the bottom of the first. Yeah, that is Acuna like, walks, steals second, Matt Olson hits a homer. That place is on fire. The, the, the wind comes out of your sail. You're now trying to chase with Strider on the mound. He's comfortable. Atlanta keeps tacking. The other thing for both these teams now, though, especially their road games, is letting big innings snowball. Like, you can't – you can't like, the crooked numbers for both these teams are, are how they kind of kill you. And if, if 
can't give up a five spot if you're the Phillies. You can't give up a three, four, or a grand slam to Bryson Stott if you're the Braves. It can't happen. That's how the Phillies beat the Braves last year was crooked number innings that just set that place on fire. So for both teams here, it's going to be it, – this one's going to be t- – this might be the tightest one in my opinion. I laughed as you were talking, not because of anything you said, I, but I, I, I just started thinking about it, and I was thinking that you sound like an offensive coordinator at his, at his uh, bi-week presser talking about the middle eight. The first yeah. thing's the, the X factor. We got to win the first. We got to win the middle eight. We got to win the middle eight. That's it. We got to win the middle eight. That's it. We got to get the ball back, go score a touchdown, kick a field goal, and get the ball back in the second half, go score seven. That's a 10 point swing. It's a 10 point swing. We got to win the middle eight. <laughs> That's what I was They're not of, wrong. Right? <laughs> Not wrong, but um, my prediction. I know I sat here and talked about it. I, I think it's Atlanta. Uh, I think this lineup's really good. I think this pitching is gonna f- be fine. I think they've they figured it out all year, and this lineup's been great. I think you're right about that first inning. I can already picture it Saturday night, about six thirty-seven. It, that place is gonna be rocking. We're gonna be tuning in the flyover, and Spencer Strider punches out two. We fly out and and. Crowds rocking. Acuna gets on, steals second. You know, Maddelson hits a double. That this freaking camera's shaking. Mm-hmm. Truist Park's rocking, and and Philly's got to fight back because they burn their aces, right? They burn their top two, and and that's benefits of winning your division and and putting yourself in a position to get that by. So I think Atlanta has that advantage there, and and I don't think they're gonna. Last year, I just think they were fatigued, man. That was a long run, emotional run. It happens every year, playoff hang- or World Series hangover. They really played great baseball through the year, and it, I think it hit them late in the year. We've seen the well, Phillies. And chasing down the early, Mets which took helps. a lot out of them. Oh, yeah. Took a lot out of them. So I, I just think Atlanta's well-rested. They're refreshed. Their pitching is healthier than it was last year, um, even though I don't think their bullpen is the best that we've seen, the dominance that we've seen. I think they're going to be able to to get by without that. What, what what's your prediction here before we get out of here? Because both of you and I have somewhere to be tonight. Yeah, this is going to be a little bit long winded, and I apologize, but I just feel like I should explain myself because I'm I don't want to continue to catch catch shots. This could be this. I think will be the closest series. It's going to be a heavyweight. I still think it could end up being a sweep. That doesn't mean it wasn't a close series. <laughs> it could be three one run games late winning games. I think I said it earlier. These teams played 13 times. I believe five of them went into extra innings. The Braves won four. Like, that's what could happen. The Phillies' biggest advantage in this series is the bullpen. Expect Rob Thompson to be aggressive outside of Nolan Wheeler. Now, I, I don't see how it happens this year. I think you got a couple things working against you if you're the Phillies. One, again, everyone, that, that series last year was incredible. They announced their presence. They stunned the Braves. You're talking about Ronald Acuna, who wasn't MVP Ronald Acuna. He was coming off the ACL. Vaughn Grissom played that whole series at second base. It's now Ozzie Albies. Spencer Strider, I talked about it. Spencer Strider, Freed and Strider were both hurt coming into the series. Strider was not himself in that game three. They they needed him. He went out there. He had three innings or two innings worth of, of himself. And then the third inning, you could tell he just he, he ran out of it. Matt Olson hit 34 homers and hit about 43 points less than he has this year. He hit 20 less homers, and, and, and like this is a different Matt Olson. This is a different Braves team. I think in the history of the playoffs, when division rivals have played back-to-back years no in the playoffs, no team has won back-to-back years. 
I think that matters. I really do. Sometimes those are stats that are just throwaway stats. I think that actually matters here because you don't think the Braves have like, I know to some of their fans are like, we should be playing the D-backs. You don't think the Braves want this team. They want the Phillies in this situation. They, they ruined the party last year. The Phillies got the last laugh. That is hard to take. I don't care. They are rivals. They know it. They know the magnitude of this. They're going to be ready. That atmosphere in Philadelphia is not going to be a, a taser to their chest. Like it was last year. It is going to be, we knew this, this is what it's going to be like. We know it. Everyone in this locker room has experienced it. We're ready for this moment. Those guys aren't shy. I think Atlanta wins this series. It could be 3-0 Atlanta. It could be 3-1. It could be 3-2. It's going to be tight no matter what. But I just think the Braves, this this team's too good, and, and they're they're ready for this moment. Atlanta's taking a page from what I hear out of Dion's book and, and taking batting practice with crowd noise to get used to, to – yeah. uh, that's where they got it. Brian Snicker said it. Brian Snicker yeah, said it. Yeah. So he's, I heard Deion Sanders playing Oregon fight song. Former Brave. Former Brave. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Deion Sanders. The, the um, shout out. Uh, you know, just reinventing the game there and and using that crowd noise. But I do I do think like the the best point you made is that was a taser to the chest for them. I think that was a taser to the chest for everybody last year. It was like, yeah, we knew Philly sports fans were crazy, but like that atmosphere it's was different. different last year. They're going to be ready for it. No, it's not right. going to catch anybody by surprise. It did like, and, and sure, it, it's making a difference. This is the best home crowd in sports right now, outside of college, college football, football, where it's just a different level. But professional sports, these people treat it like a freaking game seven of the World Series every time that a playoff game and, and those playoff cameras get there. So, I mean, the, the last couple of nights, Miami was shook by it, but I think Atlanta is probably the well, most well prepared and. You know, to me, this is one of those kind of age-old examples. The winner of this ends, heads to the World Series. Not to head my bets. We're going to watch the baseball. I can always change my my picks if the Dodgers look really good, but or Arizona looks really good. I, I don't know what could happen, but I think I, this is the the CS right here. I think this is. I think this is the World Series. Hmm, interesting. Personally. That's calling your shot there. But it is. We got to head series. out here. We got to get dinner. Dan and I have somewhere to be. Um, so thank you to our listeners for tuning in as that will conclude our episode for today. Make sure you're subscribing to the podcast on all podcast platforms, including Apple Pods, Spotify, and anywhere you find your podcast. We post episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, always hitting your feed. Not anymore, but we're trying. Um, this is going to be Monday and, or Tuesday and Friday, I think. Um, Monday and Friday, one of the two. Always hitting your feet at 7 a.m. sharp. Can you tell I was reading that and didn't? I haven't edited it enough because Phoebe's not here to pick pick up my slack. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at BacksideGB, Instagram at BacksideGroundBalls, and TikTok at BacksideGroundBall. And most importantly, make sure you're sharing with five friends, and we'll see you next time on the Backside Groundballs podcast.